You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to our Monday mailbag episode and a fresh week here at Locked On Saints. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, whether you're watching on YouTube or taking this in via podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Thank you very much for being here. And don't forget that we're here with you every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you. Sorry for the late upload for today. It has been a bit of a challenging day. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see a lot of shininess going on. We were trying to get rid of some of that early, but you know what? I'm just going to shine. That's just what it's going to be for today's episode, but I appreciate you very much for your patience. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Malcolm Jenkins. We're going to start to look at some top individual performances of the 2020 season, so we're going to talk about Malcolm Jenkins against the Green Bay Packers in week three. Then we're going to get to your Monday mailbag questions, including a question about whether or not Saints fans have unreasonable expectations for late round draft picks based on past success that isn't really all that recent. And then we're going to wrap up as we begin our position by position preview. Y'all love this in the offseason last year, doing it again this year, making sure you're introduced to every single player on the Saints roster ahead of training camp. We'll start off with the quarterback room in today's episode. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter. I am the co-managing editor over at Canal Street Chronicles and the Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. All right, y'all. Like I said, it's been a little bit of a struggle to get today's episode started. So let's just jump right into it. I'm going to be taking a look at some of the best performances of individual players in the 2020 season for the New Orleans Saints. When you play a team sport, You don't often get an opportunity to bask in your individual performances, but we can do it for the players. So we're going to start today with Malcolm Jenkins. If you have an individual performance that you want to give a shout out on an episode, make sure that you drop it in the comments below on YouTube. Or if you're listening on the podcast, you can go ahead and hit me up at Ross Jackson Nola via DM, or you can just tweet at me as well. Let me know what player and what you think their best individual performance was in the 2020 season. I wanted to start off with Malcolm Jenkins because this performance that he had against the Green Bay Packers in week three is a performance that locked on Packers. So as Peter Bukowski and I talked about for like a week after this game came to an end, and it's a perfect example of why I like to do this series because you don't often get to shout out players for individual performances in losses, but this is a perfect example of why just because the team didn't succeed we can still celebrate the individual because we saw a great individual performance from Malcolm Jenkins. Now, remember, this was Malcolm Jenkins' first year back with the New Orleans Saints after spending six years in Philadelphia. After leaving New Orleans, he now gets an opportunity to come back and he made his return felt immediately. Now, I know a lot of people are going to look at the Mercedes Lewis touchdown that he is credited as allowing and that he did allow in that game and say, Ross, how can you say that he gave up a touchdown? And this was his best individual performance. If you take in consideration the system that he was up against, the quarterback he was up against, and the coach he was up against, the play caller, I think there's a lot more than just that one play that defines this as Malcolm Jenkins' top performance of the 2020 season. I could have looked at the Week 17 game up against Carolina, but rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, P.J. Walker, and an injured Teddy Bridgewater 
the opposing quarterbacks in that one. I'm not really looking at that game. I'm looking at where he was up against elite play callers and elite playmakers up against the Green Bay Packers. So yes, he did give up that touchdown against Mercedes Lewis, which I mean, if you listen to the commentators, you listen to the rules experts, everybody there was kind of talking about how that was a bit of a push off by Mercedes Lewis. But even if you do credit that against them, his ability to be in coverage in that moment and recognize what it is that the Green Bay Packers were doing is still very impressive. He shouldn't have even been able to be in coverage on that tight end wheel route, if we're being honest. There was the play action there. He didn't bite to it. He had great coverage. He ended up carrying Mercedes Lewis all the way up the sideline, a fantastic play. And that's exactly what we saw from him consistently over this week three matchup. He had a very good understanding of what it is that Green Bay does successfully. This is an offense that's predicated on pre-stat motion, confusing defenses, and crossing routes, creating congestion over the middle of the field. Never did it bother Malcolm Jenkins at all. You saw him making plays in the run game. You saw him making plays as a pass rusher. He had nine tackles in this game, a hit on the quarterback, and two pressures. Those nine tackles were his second highest amount of the 2000. And 20 season. And then outside of that, you saw him playing deep coverage from deep zone safety looks at the very beginning of plays, dropping into deep zones from the A gap <laughs> or playing up against the line of scrimmage. And then you saw him also play and take away plays over the middle of the field. And a perfect example of that happened in the end of the second half, which was great timing for the Saints. We'll talk about why in a moment. But this was a fantastic moment. And remember, There's no fans in the stands during this game, or I think if I remember correctly, there were like 750 fans in the stands. It was friends and family for the Saints team, but that was it. And this opened up an opportunity as a viewer from home to really be able to see sort of the intricacies in the chess match of the game of football. In this play, you end up seeing both um, Malcolm Jenkins and Demario Davis in the A-gaps. Remember, the A-gaps are the gaps that are between the guard and center on either side. And this is something that the Saints do very commonly on third downs. This was a third and eight. The Saints trying to get the ball back so that they can execute a two-minute drill and try to take the lead, which is exactly what they would do. But they're threatening in the A-gaps. You see P.J. Williams looking like he's going to come off of the offensive left side after a couple of moments and adjustments from Aaron Rodgers. He sees P.J. Williams threatening changes the play. But while he's changing the play, you see the chess game begin as Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins start communicating to their defense to also change what they're looking at doing here. You see PJ Williams drop back, but then you see Marcus Williams come up on the opposite side. Once the ball is snapped, you see Marcus Williams blitz off the right side, which I don't think Aaron Rodgers was expecting because he rushed to get the ball out, even though the pass protection was actually there. However, Malcolm Jenkins, after helping to make all of the adjustments and get everybody set up with Demario Davis, ends up coming from the offensive left A-gap to coming across the field to stop a crossing route by Alan Lazard that's coming over from the right side of the field. So he ends up not getting, uh, not contributing to the congestion in the middle of the field, which is what Green Bay and Matt LaFleur want to create. Instead, he ends up counteracting it by stopping that route pretty much cold in its tracks. And once that happens, Aaron Rodgers ends up just releasing a prayer down the right sideline. It falls incomplete. The Green Bay Packers punt, and then you get the ball back in Drew Brees' hands, who leads another beautiful two-minute drill, and then ended up taking the lead going into halftime 17-13. to So Malcolm Jenkins doing all these things where he's making plays, he's getting involved in tackles, didn't have any pass deflections, but he took away so many first, second, third reads forcing uh, Aaron Rodgers deeper into his progressions, forcing him to have to play off script and forcing him several times to throw the ball away as well, which really is just as good, even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet by the end of the year. You see all of that and the battle of the minds that he brings as a veteran and experienced presence. 
And keep in mind that this was the third week of the season with no offseason. So he's kind of just living off of instincts and experience at this point while he's learning this new system with Dennis Allen. Because yes, it was a second stint with the New Orleans Saints, but it's an entirely different defense than before he left and joined Philadelphia. So I'm going to give that week three performance Malcolm Jenkins' top performance of the 2020 season. Again, if you feel any differently and you had liked another performance by him, or if you have any suggestions about whose performance we should look at next, more in depth, go ahead and drop those in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, or you can tweet them at me at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Coming up next, we're going to get to your questions for our Monday mailbag. Got three quick questions, including whether or not Saints fans have developed unreasonable expectations for late round picks, even though there hasn't been that much success for them in the recent past. We'll talk about that and much more as we can continue on, excuse me, <laughs> with today's episode of Locked on Saints, but a Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're like me, you've been loving the NBA playoffs so much. I never would have thought that Atlanta was going to be moving on in game seven the way that they are. And right now, you already have a favorite that's established the Milwaukee Bucks going into The Eastern Conference Finals, they're the favorites right now at plus 115 on betonline.ag to win the championship outright. And then you have the Phoenix Suns right behind them at plus 130. So if you want to get in on any of that action or anything else that's going on around the world of sports with the MLB and tons of other sports still underway, NHL playoffs still happening, so on and so forth, and US Open as well. So go and check them out over at betonline.ag. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, so you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So you put down $500, and then you end up walking in to your first bet with $750, because you get the bonus $250 right there at betonline.ag, simply by using the promo code Locked On with your first deposit. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, family, we're continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Going to get to your questions from the uh, Monday mailbag here, which is uh, through email, DMs, through Twitter, things like that. I picked three questions to go ahead and roll with today. So we're going to get it started right off the bat. Again, as always, if you want to participate in this, all you have to do is shoot me a tweet at Ross Jackson Nola. Let me know that it's for the Monday mailbags. And of course, you can also join the Locked on Saints Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash locked on Saints. So let's go ahead and get to John Thames 20 here, who asked, does the success of some late round picks in the past make fans have unreasonable expectations each year? So this isn't specific to Saints fans, right? Like every team believes, like fan base believes that their team's draft picks rounds one through seven picks, one through 250, whatever, are all pro until they actually hit the field. It's part of supporting the team. So I'm never mad at it or anything like that. But I do think that there is a little bit of a a bolstering going on when it comes to the New Orleans Saints fan base because of the success of players like Marcus Colston and Zach Streif in particular. Because really since them, there hasn't been that much success in New Orleans Saints fifth, sixth, and seventh round players. You can really only look back at I'd say probably two successful day three selections by the Saints over the last two seasons that are surefire successes right now and that are starters with the team. That's David Onyemata, who was drafted in 2016 in the fourth round, and then 2019 draft selection in the fourth round, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. 
outside of them, the only other two players that are drafted in day three over the last five years that are still on the team are Caden Ellis and Will Clapp, both of which are depth players. They're both successful in that they played a number of snaps for the team, but they haven't risen to being starters. And anybody that's not those two names has not kept with the team. I mean, you look at guys like Rick Leonard, Cameron Moore, Boston Scott, so on and so forth, who may have found success elsewhere and are still in the league with other teams. The majority of New Orleans draft picks are still in the league outside of maybe Daniel Lasko over the last four or five years. But for Saints fans, there is a little bit of a bolstering going on for fifth, sixth, seventh round selections based upon the success of past, past, past sixth and seventh round selections. So I think that's why we temper expectations a lot, right? We tempered the expectations around Tommy Stevens last year. We're tempering the expectations this year around Landon Young and Kawan Baker, who honestly have a lot of potential to be those next late day three big time standout guys. But we have to see it all come to fruition first. So let's get into training camp at least before we start maybe uh, gathering some unreasonable expectations for these players. Let's go next to Austin S1337 on Twitter. Which player emerges the most and why? So in order for me to talk about emerging the most, we have to set up two things, right? It's got to be somebody that didn't really emerge last year that is going to make a big time emergence this year. And I think probably the most logical player to look at there is Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman had some moments, but did he really emerge last year with just over 100 receiving yards? No, not at all. But does he end up having the best opportunity going into 2021 to emerge? Absolutely, yes. Especially if you look at the way that the offense targeted tight ends last year, like I mentioned, even just the four games with Taysom Hill, which we broke down a couple days ago on Thursday's episode, that was 18 targets to tight ends, six to Adam Troutman and 12 to Jared Cook. And that was just the top two guys. So now all of a sudden, if Taysom Hill wins, then you're going to see a lot of, well, let me not say wins. If Taysom Hill becomes the starting quarterback, then you'll see a lot of targets to tight ends because clearly he's comfortable there. And we've seen Jameis Winston over the five years of his career with Tampa really lean on guys like Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard, never afraid to go to his tight end options, particularly in the red zone. So I think Adam Troutman probably has the best opportunity in front of him right now, particularly because of what he can do in the red zone as a big body tight end that can get up and go get it. Then that really gives him the opportunity to emerge going into 2021 over the lack of production that he had in 2020, which was based on the fact that they didn't ask him to do that much because they had Jerry Cook and Josh Hill ahead of him. And then our final question here for this Monday mailbag comes from at John Nine Williams. John Williams, the host of the Locked On Sooners podcast, by the way, fantastic show over there if you happen to be a Sooners fan, wants to know, does Michael Thomas lose any fantasy value going from an aged Drew Brees if he goes to Jameis Winston? Now, As we've mentioned before, when it comes to targeting outside receivers, Jameis Winston, before the 2019 season, over the course of his career, had targeted outside receivers over 47% of the time, second most in the NFL. So I do think that Michael Thomas still gets a fair amount of targets if Jameis Winston becomes the Saints starting quarterback. We already know 37 targets over four games from Taysom Hill, nearly 10 targets per game. He's going to get his looks with Taysom Hill. But if he goes to Jameis Winston, there's evidence there and there's data there that supports the idea that he'll still continue to get his targets. Is he going to get 149 catches? No, I don't think he's going to get up to that level like he was with Drew Brees, where he was the only receiving option outside of Alvin Kamara. And we hope that that's not the case, right? We hope that another one of these receivers 
young receiver steps up for the Saints team. But when it comes down to whether or not he's going to get at least a healthy wide receiver one target share, it certainly looks that way. And I think that maybe some additional elements of his game open up, maybe a little bit more opportunity downfield in the intermediate area where maybe Drew Brees didn't look to throw those passes and where they utilize Michael Thomas closer to the line of scrimmage, perhaps his route tree opens up and uh, maybe extends a little bit further downfield, allowing him more opportunities for bigger plays to help potentially make up for any lack of you know number of catches or targets that he gets because he might be able to make up with it in terms of production. Remember, Michael Thomas has yet to have a 10 touchdown season as a Saints receiver. I believe that that changes regardless of which quarterback ends up being the starting quarterback for the Saints this season in New Orleans. All right, y'all, great questions and great stuff for this Monday mailbag. We'll do that again next week, of course. And we also have Facebook Friday coming up on Friday. So if you have some questions that you want to get in, make sure you join the Locked On Saints Facebook group, and then go ahead and drop those in the thread. All right, so as we round the corner here to close out today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about the quarterback room. We've talked about the quarterbacks a ton over the last couple of weeks. I've been doing that on purpose because I wanted to set us up for this moment to where we get started with our position-by-position preview, getting you acquainted with every name on the New Orleans Saints roster, including new ones as they're added before training camp. We're going to start off with the quarterback room. So I introduce you to all four quarterbacks in the quarterback room for the Saints, and I'll give you a little bit of a projection going into 2021 in terms of who ends up where. We have all that and more coming up for you here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The Saints have a very interesting assortment of quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and of course, rookie Ian Book, all of them unique, all of them with their own skill sets and profiles, almost as unique as a box of Built Bars. <laughs> Here we go, BuiltBar.com. It's time to remind you about the best tasting protein bar on the market, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. We talked about those unique profiles for those quarterbacks, nine unique profiles, flavor profiles, for these built bars as well that include coconut, coconut almond, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, and salted caramel, as well as four other flavors. But those are my absolute favorites. But they have some fruit flavors as well if you enjoy fruit, fruit and chocolate, because each of these are also covered in 100% chocolate. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, that means they're packed with sugar, but not at all. These bars have about 100, about 117, about 17 or 18 grams of protein but right around 140, 150 calories, and then only four or five grams of sugar. So go and check them out over at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. And you can also go and check out our good friends over at RockAuto.com as well, our title sponsor today. Big thank you to them. And uh, look, Rock Auto is still one of my favorite sites out there. I go to BuiltBar.com for my Built Bars. I go to RockAuto.com for anything that I need for my car, truck, or vehicle. Literally anything. Think about it. Floor mats, oil, engines, flux capacitors. I'm just playing. But you know what I mean? Like anything that you're looking for, you'll be able to find them over at RockAuto.com. And of course, they're a family business, which is even more important to us. They've been helping online customers for over 20 years now online. So go and check them out, show some love and show some support. And don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section at checkout right below the shipping information. Go and check them out at RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. Let's 
did it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode, beginning one of my favorite off-season series that we get to do here on the show. Y'all loved this last year. Very excited to bring it back this year. And now to also be able to bring it to YouTube as well. Lots of fun stuff that I have planned for all of that. But today, we're going to keep it very simple. Usually, these would take up an entire episode, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get all of this in one episode. So I've spent the last week giving you other people's input on these quarterbacks, talking about these quarterbacks, what an what an offense with Taysom looks like, what an offense with Jameis looks like, all of that, just to help get us to this point, because we're going to begin our position by position preview, getting you ready and introducing you to every single name on the Saints roster ahead of training camp. So we're going to start off with the quarterback room. We've talked at nauseum over the last two or three weeks about all of these quarterbacks, JT O'Sullivan joined to talk about both of them, as well as give me some insight on Ian Book. We looked at both of the offenses under, or we looked at the offense under both of these quarterbacks. We've looked at what it is that they need to improve, what's next, their next steps, all these things. So if you want to check out any of that, if you haven't heard it or watched it, you can go back through really just pick a show from the last couple of weeks. But now we get to this point. So we look at all four quarterbacks that are on the Saints roster. And I'm also going to give you an idea of who I think will end up being the starting quarterback and what I think this roster will look like. How many quarterbacks will they keep? And what does it mean for the rest of the team? And we'll try to do that and kind of project a 53-man roster as we go through here position by position. So let's start off at the quarterback spot here. You know we're talking about Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, Trevor Simeon, Ian Book. Ian Book, of course, a rookie drafted in the fourth round at pick number 133 overall. A little bit of a surprise pick for everybody, but we talked a little bit about how he fits into this offense. Same size as Drew Brees, but has a little bit more athleticism in his game. Works really well off script, always calm. Has an okay arm, right? Not the strongest arm out there, but in the Saints offense, that's not really necessary. So you have to look at him as a potential good fit if he gets the opportunities. But will he get the opportunities at any point over the next couple of years? That's going to be the hard part for him. Now, I can't project into 2021, but excuse me, 2022, but looking at this year, I don't know how many opportunities Ian Book is going to get, but it's really going to come down to camp for him. He and Trevor Simeon, I believe, are going to be locked in a quarterback three battle, essentially. There's a world in which Taysom Hill wins the starting quarterback role, and then the Saints just go in with Taysom and Jameis and only keep two quarterbacks on the roster and then keep maybe Ian Book on the practice squad. But in any case, I don't actually see that being the most realistic option. I think that either way, they keep the third quarterback, who I believe will be Ian Book. I just think that if you invest this fourth round pick in this kid, and you've heard, excuse me, not kid, grown man, but you hear how much Sean Payton has talked about him, how much your breeze has talked about him. You hear the great things that Jeff Ireland and the scouting department had to say about him. I mean, all of it just fits in terms of the opportunity. Now, all he has to do is bring the talent and the preparation to that opportunity to make good on, uh, well, I guess I'll say it again. Well, let's say it this way, make good on the chance that he's going to get here because I do think that he will get a chance to make this roster better than a chance to make the roster. Trevor Simeon is a veteran in the NFL. He spent time with the Broncos. He spent time elsewhere. He spent time with the Jets, but now he's with New Orleans. New Orleans brought him in last year because they haven't had a traditional quarterback up quarterback over the last like three seasons because they've been grooming other quarterbacks behind Drew Brees to be the heir apparent. They've had Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, then they went to Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So I think that when you look at all of that, when they brought in Trevor Simeon, it made perfect sense because you needed somebody who was going to be that clipboard 
sideline quarterback that's going to talk to Drew Brees when he comes off the field, right? That seemed to be what it was that they were looking for. And then the quarterback after Drew Brees. But now that they have Ian Book, they could train Ian Book to do that exactly the way that they want him to do it because he hasn't had to do that at all in his career. He's been a starting quarterback and a winning quarterback throughout his time. So I think that when you give him that opportunity, that's something he steps up into. And that ends up being another positive and another check mark or another box to check, let's say, for Ian Book. So I think Ian Book will win that. Trevor Simeon will find his way to the practice squad if he's eligible. I'm not really sure if he's eligible because I don't know what the the veteran rules are going to be for the practice squad this year and if they've changed much from last year. But that all leads us to the starting quarterback role when it comes to Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. I have said it over and over and over again for me. Jameis Winston is in the lead at this moment when it comes to this because he's got five years of starting experience while Taysom Hill has four games of starting experience. It's not a bad thing when it comes to Taysom Hill. It's just that if you're going to, this is a team that has proven over and over and over again that they will lean on experience. So I think that that gives Jameis Winston a little bit of an edge. But am I going to count Taysom Hill out? Absolutely not. And I know I spend a lot of times talking about what these two quarterbacks don't do extremely well, but that's because we're talking about how they can improve. In order for them to improve, in order for you to talk about how they can get better and become that starting caliber, potentially even a franchise quarterback, you have to talk about what needs to be addressed. And in both of them, you have things that need to be addressed. Taysom Hill has four games of starting NFL experience under his belt. He has things that needs to be addressed. He knows he has things that he needs to address. That's why he spent all offseason preparing for this very moment and for this quarterback competition. Jameis Winston knows he has things to address. He's got five years of experience, but he's been a bit of a turnover factory his entire career, whether it's interceptions or fumbles, doesn't matter. But he has now spent some time attending what he called the Harvard School for Quarterbacks, working with guys like Joe Lombardi, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning, uh, Peyton Manning, Sean Payton. So now he gets an opportunity here to show how much of that he really soaked in, how much of that he could translate out onto the field. So I don't think that when we talk about the negatives, quote unquote, when it comes to these quarterbacks, that we're saying that neither of them can do it. We're just saying that these are the things that we're looking to see them address. And both of them have been very open and very honest about the things they need to address. Now, the question comes down to which one of them is going to do it best and better. There is no part of me that's ever going to rule Taysom Hill out of this quarterback competition until Jameis Winston is named the starting quarterback. And I'll never rule Jameis Winston out of this competition until Taysom Hill is named the starting quarterback. Both of them have too good an opportunity in front of them. And both of them have been working their absolute butts off to get to this point. So I'm so, so, so excited to see it. I'm sorry. I can't tell you which one is going to be the starting quarterback. No one will because none of us have seen them out on the field because it's June 21st at the moment. And training camp doesn't begin until June 27th. And that's exactly the way that we should be looking at this as to respect both of these players who have been working their tails off to get to this point, get to training camp and try to battle it out for this starting quarterback position. And I'll tell you what, whichever one of them wins it will win it because they deserve it because they have been putting in the work to get here. So I'm very excited about this quarterback potential. So that's what you're looking at. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, either one of them, your starter. I think in any case, if Jameis wins, you'll see Taysom Hill. If Taysom wins, you might still see Jameis Winston. Who knows? We'll see how it all works out when it comes down to these two quarterbacks. But I think Ian Book is your QB3. And I think the Saints will carry three quarterbacks going into that 2021 season following training camp and a three-game preseason this year, which is very exciting. All right, y'all. 
That's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure you go and check out Locked On today. Get all the sports news that you need in less than 20 minutes. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue on our position by position preview. We're going to get into running backs. We're pretty much going to spend the entire episode there. We'll talk about what's changed. We'll talk about what hasn't. And we'll talk about the uh, projection going into 2021, as well as get you caught up on all of the news and notes you need to get caught up with everything going on with your New Orleans Saints. And we'll continue to roll along here throughout the rest of the week here with Locked On Saints. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. I thank you very much for everything that you've been doing, uh, liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, sharing, retweeting, everything that you do to help grow this family. Once again, it's Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them and trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.